Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. We've also got an Instagram called I Love That Movie Podcast. We even have a Facebook group. I love that movie. Um, it's just a safe space for movie lovers to discuss their favorite films, judgment-free. My only rule in there is keep it positive. Um, and if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. It definitely helps new listeners find us. Uh, we are also on Discord, too. We're everywhere, basically. Um, and we have a Patreon. So if you want to support us on Patreon, you can. Uh, the show is free, as always. But if you do want to support us, that is an option. And I want to give a quick shout out to my top patrons, Chris Balga, Jeff Widman, Michael Cross, and Joseph George. Um, the only difference is if you do support us on Patreon, you get like a little bonus episode with some extra thoughts about film and uh, shows of the week. So so yeah, join us on there. It's a lot of fun. Um, and we have a Teespring. So if you ever want some I Love That Movie swag, you can purchase your very own shirt or mug. I actually have a mug on the way that I bought. I'm really excited to see what it looks like. Um, but anywho, I have a returning guest on the show today. I have Samantha. Say hi, Samantha. Hey, guys. Welcome back, Samantha. So we were just chatting that it's been a year since you've been on the show, which is crazy. I don't know how we let the time get away from us. <laughs> right. It's, well, we're both we're both really busy people people um with a lot of things going on but it's it's nice to reconnect it's nice to be back on thanks for having me back on by the way yes um so samantha like you said you're a busy woman um and you just wrapped up a play right if if guests haven't heard you on the show before why don't you introduce yourself tell them a little bit about what you do and what you're up to all right. Well, um, I'm Samantha Grace. I am a theater professor at Mountain View College here in Dallas, Texas. I am a costume designer, a hair and makeup designer. I also design props. Uh, we just wrapped up a show called She Kills Monsters. It's a and d epic adventure. So I had the great privilege to make dragons and bugbears and a beholder and all sorts of different creatures, some succubi. We really, we really had a lot of fun with this one. I got to really stretch my fantasy wings, so to say, on this last show. And um, I was very, I was very pleased with how it turned out. And we had a huge uh, reaction from the crowd, and everybody really loved it. So I'm very happy that it's done. <laughs> <laughs> and it's nice to reclaim nights and weekends. Uh, we worked really hard on it, but now it's it's time to reward ourselves with a little R and R. Yeah, that's so cool. Like uh, when you told me that's what the theme was, I was like, "How exciting! You really do have like the coolest job." <laughs> 
I'm I'm pretty blessed that way. I really do. They and they let me off the leash. They let me have carte blanche. They're just like, well, we need some stuff, but we'll, we trust you. Just do whatever. And I I love that so much. I have such a great job and great bosses that that have complete trust in me to just make them a dragon or a flying <laughs> dagger. Make that dagger fly from from across the stage. Okay, great. <laughs> Let's do it. If you guys saw my status update uh, a while back where I was like, I spent my Saturday making fairy pants and dragon wings. I was talking about her production, which was super <laughs> fun. I mean, I had a very, very small part <laughs> in, in helping with that, but it was really exciting. It's fun as a cosplayer. You know, I've, I've made costumes for so many years, but I've never worked on anything like that. So it was just really fun. The second anyone needs help, I'm like, I'm coming. I want to do that. So it was really cool um, to get to do that and to see your studio and stuff, too. Well, like I said before, you guys are welcome back any time that you want to come. And even if you just want to use the studio for your own personal endeavors, just come on out. Well, I love it. <laughs> so, uh, Samantha, last time we had you on, we talked Rio Bravo, which was super fun. Got a lot of positive feedback on that episode, by the way. People really liked that movie and they liked our episode uh and our guests always choose the movie so what what movie did you choose for this halloween season i chose one of my absolute favorite films of all time i chose the rocky horror picture show yes i'm so glad you picked this um you guys if you've been listening to this whole month um every week we've been talking horror and uh when actually it was, I think the day that I was helping you, we were talking and, and, and you had mentioned like, Oh, I'd like to be back on the show. I'm like, uh, yeah. Like why has that not happened faster? And so I was like, well, you know, it's Halloween. Uh, can you pick something Halloween? And you were like, it just so happens. This is my favorite movie ever. And I'm like, yay. Like I would, <laughs> I, I didn't even think of this, um, when I was thinking about like Halloween movies, but this is an obvious pick. Uh, so I'm excited that we're talking about this movie. It, it came out in 1975. I can't imagine that you out there haven't heard of it. But if not, uh, I would definitely not listen to this episode. As I always say, There's this is not going to be spoiler free. Um, and basically, the plot is just a newly engaged couple have a breakdown in an isolated area and must pay a call to the bizarre residence of Dr. Frankenfurter, which does not tell you a whole lot. Um, but we will tell you a lot about it now. Uh, Samantha, when when did you first see this movie? So, you know, when when you ask a person, like, what's their first movie they can remember? They probably would say something, uh, you know, a kid movie or a Disney movie. But for me, my whole collective conscious, the first movie I can remember is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. My mom was in one of the midnight matinee troops that would put on the midnight matinees um in shreveport that's where i'm originally from and um so i was born into it i was born right into this whole rocky horror picture show thing there's a picture of me when i was a baby of my mom and her best friend made up in their midnight madness gear and there's me they're holding me so Aww. you know it looks like it looks like some ladies of the night found this baby but it's <laughs> it's it's one of my absolute favorite pictures but i was i was born in it and it's it's just been this film that's always been around my whole life and it became a custom that we watch this movie every halloween no matter what Aww, so for that. the last 
30 something years, we've watched <laughs> the Rocky Horror Picture Show every every year on Halloween. And so no matter how far away I get from home, that is something we still all share. My mom and I Aww. will still like, hey, are you watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show tonight? You know, I am. And it's still kind of our connector um, that we that we still watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show every Halloween. I love that. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, I do not have a sweet, enduring story about when I first saw this. I have a funny story, I guess. Um, I saw it as a play first, uh, a local production put on the play. And my mom was like, let's go see this play. She had no idea what it was about at all. Um, and so we walked in completely cold. And like the first thing that happens is one of the uh, like one of the people in one of the troop, I guess, uh, gets in my mom's lap. It was this really tall drag queen that just got in my mom's lap and she just looked totally shocked. And she looked at me like, what do I do? And then it just kind of got crazier from there, as you can imagine. Um, and we walked out of that play and I loved it. And she was kind of like, well, that was interesting. <laughs> that was a thing. <laughs> that happened. Yeah. She was like, not exactly what I was expecting. Um, so I, I, you know, and she's not super conservative by any means, but I think just going in completely cold, she was just not planning on all that. So it was really fun to watch that with her. <laughs> yeah. If you're, if you don't know the story or you don't really know what's going on, it's a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah. It really is a lot to take in because the the plot, I don't know really, you know, I, I've watched this movie probably more than any other film. And I still don't know if I could tell you the whole story in a concise piece. So, <laughs> you know, when you go in and then all of a sudden it's like, what's going on? Is this, what kind of musical is this? Oh. Why are they not wearing pants? What's happening? <laughs> there's, it's just, there's a lot. And so I can understand if you if you haven't kind of grown up with it in the collective conscious, it is a little bit hard to jump in there. Yeah, I would say she, you know, she was a free thinker, but, but like, as I, I guess, you know, like a normie, you know? And so she kind of <laughs> walks in like, whoa what's going on and so she kind of walked out of it sort of confused but i think i was at the perfect age you know um and kind of kind of like you it's like i walked in and and uh it was definitely different but i was just like whoa i loved it like i just really enjoyed it and um i didn't really i mean you know i guess i was older than you so i had some preconceived notions of like what's socially acceptable and what's not at least at the time um, but I think I was just more pliable. <laughs> and so like, it definitely affected me differently than it did her. I've, I've always wondered about asking her, like, how do you feel about that now? Like th now that you've had time to digest it. Um, but <laughs> like, I know my husband, uh, Nick, he, he's, he almost joined a troop. He used to go see, you know, a troop perform this at midnight, almost like every weekend for a while, like about a year. Um, so he like loves this movie and he really enjoyed rewatching it. Um, it's just got such a cult following. It's intense. I mean, I think, um, you know, it, it's playing somewhere like all, every week pretty much. So it's just really cool. And it's different. And, uh, and yeah, 
Um, I, I'm jealous of the fact that you got to like grow up with it. That is so cool. And that picture, like if you find that picture and it's okay to share, you should definitely send it. <laughs> I want to yeah, see I'll, it. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask my mom for it. I'm like, hey, can you dig up this picture? I want to I wanna see it. So the, another interesting thing is my friends and I also started, well, we didn't start a troop. We joined a troop here. And there's a picture of me and my friend from high school and my cousin when he was about two. And it's almost the same picture of my mom and her friend and then my cousin standing there looking at us like, oh, oh, this is totally normal. And we look (laughs) like streetwalkers. Not that there's anything (laughs) wrong with that, but it's a bit jarring to have a a toddler with these two really, really made up women. So, (laughs) So were you a specific character in the troupe or were you in the background? Well, the one the one that I got into early in high school, it was kind of just the conventional conventionist. And then my college, Texas A&M University Commerce, when I first got there, they did a Halloween midnight Rocky Horror Picture Show. And every year that I was there, I always played magenta. So awesome. I dress up and we do the midnight thing at the rec center on campus. And we all dressed up different characters you've had sarah ragsdale on before she actually once upon a time played brad we gender bend it and she was she was a brad one time (laughs) so we we've i've had i've had a long illustrious um love affair with the midnight premieres or midnight matinees so um i i don't do them much anymore but every now and then I'll see someone post it and I'll get nostalgic for it. I want to, I want to go back. I need to get back in it, but sometimes time (laughs) restraints won't let me. Also it's at midnight and I've gotten old and I like to sleep now. (laughs) That's uh, honestly, that's how I feel. Um, We've gotten to like a couple midnight showings at like Inwood and Texas theater. And it's, it's a beating for me now. Whereas I used to like love going to those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It used to be nothing. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm like, Oh, I got to go to work tomorrow. Oh, my back hurts. <laughs> uh, I, di- I digress. <laughs> <laughs> what, what character was your mom? Do you remember? My mom was just a conventional conventionist. Oh, okay. She just kind of helped run things and gotcha. keep things running smooth. And so she'd come out for the big scenes and, do the time warp and hot patootie and all that stuff. Cool. But um, yeah, she wasn't anything in particular, but she, she, she definitely went full throttle with her costume. Good on you, mom. (laughs) Yeah. So for anyone out there listening that doesn't know about this, and I think most people are generally aware um, if uh, you know, so this, this whole thing has had such a big cult following that uh, there will often be live showings of it and then actors will sort of be kind of on stage as well while it's playing. Um, So what I originally saw was just like a straightforward play, but what you're talking about is more like that troupe where it's sort of an interactive audience kind of thing, shouting things at the screen and, you know, just being engaged the whole time just because you love the movie so much. Yeah, so it first started out as a musical, as a play, Mm -hmm. and Tim Curry was was the original Frankenfurter in the play. Mm-hmm. And when they were going to make it into a movie, Lou Adler, who was the producer, he's a rock and roll music producer, worked with the Rolling Stones, worked with several other big names in rock and roll, 
they wanted to kind of keep that rock and roll edge with it. And um, they created They were going to kind of do more of a rock and roll type thing. They were going to actually cast Mick Jagger in the role instead yeah, of I Tim Curry. That. I'm glad they didn't. And <laughs> I'm glad they didn't either. But Tim Curry, of course, being Tim Curry, won them over. And he was in the role. And the movie itself, when it came out, People couldn't figure out what the heck it was. Right. So it was a huge bomb. I mean, it bombed terribly. Well, in New York, some people got a hold of it and an old kind of almost vaudeville house style movie theater started showing it at midnight. Well, it kind of got this underground cult following and people were going to it. And Tim Curry was living in New York at the time around the corner from that theater and one night he called him up he's like hey it's tim curry i'm gonna come out there and they thought he was messing with them they thought it was just like some prank caller until he actually showed up in his full gear was like i'm ready to do this thing and they actually were like quit quit messing around get out of here you're the worst tim curry impersonator ever and like ran him out (laughs) ran him out of there so Tim Curry got kicked out of his own movie while they were doing a midnight matinee of this of this production. So Tim Curry said, I never went back. The only time I ever went back was when it was like at a con or something like that to do it. <laughs> or a, like they did the 25th anniversary and he dressed up and did that. But he's like, I never went back to a midnight matinee just because it was so weird. They wouldn't let me in. To my own movie. That's crazy. That's <laughs> terrible. And and yeah, that's another thing about this movie. So like you said, it bombed, but then it, it gained this cult status where it's basically played. It's like considered like the longest theatrical run in history. <laughs> like it just continuously yeah, it, playing in the mid seventies. Yeah. It has the, it's the record holder for the longest theatrical release in film history. So it hasn't left theaters in like, 30 something years like it's been in theaters this whole time so i don't know how much money it's made now looking at it you know what the bomb like how much money they initially made versus now how much money it's actually incurred over this many years of being out in theaters but yeah it's it's a record holder for having the longest theatrical release and that's I mean, it's not a it's not a very good movie. It's my favorite movie, <laughs> but it's not a very good movie. But that's something that actually makes me smile and makes me kind of proud is there's other weirdos out there just like me that's like, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. Let's keep doing that. And it doesn't die. I still I, I have students that are like, Miss, have you heard of the Rocky Horror Picture <laughs> Show? I'm like, yeah, what? Are you new? Like, but do you go? Like, do you know what it means to go? Like, yeah, (laughs) I do, kid. I do. So it's not stopping. So that's that's great, too, that there's the whole new generation of people still discovering it and wanting to go and be a part of it. Well, honestly, like, no matter how long, and I think it's been a couple years since I've rewatched it, I feel like I went through probably the, the thing that everyone goes through after they see it, where they are just watching it all the time like i think somebody in the group said that they they used in their teenage years and 20s like they watch it every single weekend um but i haven't seen it in a few years but when i watched it again i'm like yeah i get why people like this so much like i think it's just i don't know you mentioned earlier that like they tried to kind of replace tim curry the studios kind of wanted to go in a different direction 
and and I agree with you not only Tim Curry but also uh Richard O'Brien who wrote the original um screenplay and and then I think Jim Sharman the director he was the director of the production show too so like you know those two people were like no we've we've got to keep this same core cast like I think they recast Brad and Janet but and a couple others but they tried to keep you know Riff Raff uh who was I think Richard O'Brien right I think that was right. Riff Raff. Yeah, yeah. So he he's also Riff Raff. And then, you know, Magenta and some of the key people because those are the people that really understood like what exactly is going on here. And I think bringing in an like maybe now that everyone has seen it so much and like kind of gets it. But I think in the beginning it's like you'd have to have actors that really understand what it is they're embodying because the I think the the plot is just so outrageous, but I think it like weirdly makes perfect sense to people that love a few things at the same time like theater rock and roll and uh you know science fiction movies yeah Um, it kind of melds all those things in like the perfect way and i love that they're able to include the fact that you know when uh you're in a theater troupe a lot of times there's a lot of you know, LGBTQ people involved and they're your close friends and confidants. And I think people on the outside tend to think of your whole group because of that otherness, not just that, but also the fact that you're in a play and you're like theater weirdos, quote unquote. It's like you're sort of looked at as like all one thing and you feel like a family. And I feel like they were able to put that into this movie in such a great way, you know, by making them like aliens and like they just really go out of their way to be other and different and i think a lot of people that really love theater and film and a lot of people that are marginalized really connect with that aspect of the movie um and i just i can't really think of another film where there's like a super tall giant dude that's you know dressed like frankenfurter and just freaking owning the screen for the entire runtime which is really awesome too right um, so so yeah tim yeah, Tim Curry had they somebody had asked him something about like, oh, well, what was it like, you know, wearing that clothes, like kind of it being a taboo thing. He he, you know, he's like, it's not so much a man in drag or an androgynous person. I'm playing someone from another planet, and that's how they dress on transsexual. Mm-hmm. So, and basically, his last line of the whole thing was, "Get over it." That's how Frankenfurter dresses because he's from a different planet and it needs no justification whatsoever that that's just who he is. Yeah. And it's weird watching it like under a modern lens because I can, you know, like at the time it was really taboo. I mean, I guess in a lot of ways, some of the things are still taboo, but not as extreme as they were in the 70s. Um, And now it's like, you know, I know it was like banned in some countries and it's like, it's funny to watch it now and be like, why? Because they're wearing lingerie because two men kiss. Like, it's just weird. We're in such a different place now. And, you know, and I think he looked at it the way I feel like, like the theater and film world, like behind the scenes were like ahead of their time. They like accepted all this and it's fine. And then it's like everyone else. Uh, is sort of catching up to that so they're like looking on the outside like this is crazy and it's like well you should hang out with us sometime you know (laughs) (laughs) well what it is is it's what i see it as is it is a going back to what you were saying it's all inclusive Mm -hmm. no matter who you are 
no matter you know what your what your thing is or whatever there it's everyone is is important to the story no matter how you express that so yeah. it's interesting that that people who've been marginalized have connected with this film so much just because it's kind of a nugget of something that's wholesomeness it is to yeah <laughs> it's, it's a nugget of wholesomeness for them and i think like you said we're catching up everyone else is catching up and they're starting to understand oh maybe this movie isn't so odd oh maybe this movie isn't so weird that that we're looking at it through a different set of eyes through a different perspective so it's very it's very interesting again even when i watched it a couple of years ago i caught on to something i'd never noticed before dr frankenfurter when we see him in the lab when he makes rocky on his lab coat, he has an upside-down triangle on his lapel, or on the, the vest. It was actually the symbol that the Nazis gave homosexuals in the concentration camps mm-hmm. to mark you know, their, their thing. And, and what they did is they completely turned it up kind of as a giant middle finger you know, sticking it to the man. And I was like, oh my gosh! And, and this was a couple years ago. When I saw that and I went on and kind of Googled it and I was really kind of, I'd never noticed it before my whole life watching it. And it just suddenly all of a sudden caught me and I was very moved and touched by it. Even just this really simple thing on a costume that really was, was something so unique for 1975. For sure. Yeah. It's just like, wild back then but now it's kind of like i think you know more more in the realm of uh pop culture understanding but yeah that that i I read that too that is really cool i like that um i had so we kind of ran over a couple of quick facts one of the other ones i had speaking of tim curry uh was that he modeled frankenfurter's voice after queen elizabeth ii and his mother which i love that Moms are great. <laughs> <laughs> they they really are. Gosh bless them. <laughs> so the <laughs> the other uh, fact that I had, uh, kind of just tapping into talking about what a whirlwind this all was, because they were kind of uh, this whole shoot took just six weeks. It's weird to think. I mean, it makes sense because there's not like that many sets to the movie, um, and they're mostly dance numbers. But there's a lot of them, and I just feel like wow, just six weeks, and that turned into the longest running movie ever like wow kind of incredible yeah so so the studio was like oh yeah we're gonna make it all rock and roll we're gonna have mick jagger we're even gonna have steve martin let's bring them all in oh yeah I and saw then yes yeah, steve they they somebody originally wanted steve martin as the brad majors part well they they stuck to their guns um the producers and so the studio came back was like well Okay, well, if that's what you're going to do, we're going to take away half the budget, and then we're also going to shorten your film time. So whatever you want to do with that, you go ahead and do it. Uh, you know, kind of the them trying to push them into making it more rock and roll or whatever, but uh, Richard O'Brien didn't relent. He said, okay, then that's what we'll do. And they were in this old rundown castle in the middle of nowhere <laughs> that had no heating, no plumbing, no nothing. And it rained and it was the middle of winter and poor Susan Sarandon 
caught pneumonia out six weeks trying to do this poor oh this gosh. poor movie justice in this horrible dank um rundown building. Ugh, but look what it led to. <laughs> Sometimes we have to suffer for our art. Definitely. Um so I think we should like there's so many people in this cast and I'm sure we'll talk about them as they come up. You've already mentioned Susan Sarandon as Janet Wise. Uh and we've talked about Tim Curry a lot. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into some of your favorite scenes from the movie. Oh, man. So my <laughs> one of my absolute favorite scenes is the opener. You've got Patricia Quinn's lips lip syncing to Richard O'Brien singing um, science fiction double feature. So it's the opening song that's just like setting up this world when we're about to go on. And... It's that is just already so iconic before the mm -hmm. film even begins. Um, I've seen people with the tattoo of Patricia Quinn's lips on their arm or on their leg or something of that opening sequence of just the this this mouth singing. It's all black except for the red mouth, and she's well actually it's Richard O'Brien singing. Um, that's probably honestly one of my absolute favorite parts of the film is the opener. Yeah, I agree. I love that song. Um, there's it's, a couple real, I mean, there's all the songs are good, but there's a couple songs that really stick out to me. And, and when you hear that song play up, you're like, ah, it's like you're returning home, kind of. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's, it's very clever. It's a very mm -hmm. clever song. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoy that song. And uh, I, I agree with you. It really sets up the movie. It sets the tone really well, kind of right off the bat. You're kind of being thrown into this, like, crazy world and i think the song mentions a lot of iconic movies and i, I think it kind of clues people in like hey nerds you're gonna like this <laughs> yeah it's kind of a wink and a nudge to this these old b movies you know they they're talking about flash gordon um claude rains was the invisible man um dana andrews who was a huge actor back in the day and so just this great cast of colorful characters even brought to life that really don't have much to do with the Rocky Horror Picture Show, <laughs> but the feel of those old movies is also this feel of this 1975 movie. Yeah. These kind of classic horror beef films. This is that's what they were making. That's what they were trying to recreate. So they were taking something that had been out for 50 to 30 years and kind of paying this homage to it even with this song um science fiction double feature um and it's it's clever it's witty and it it already takes you on the journey that you're as you said like buckle up get ready the journey is going to begin yeah it's definitely a huge nod to all the fans out there and people that really get those references understand it and and yeah even though it doesn't directly completely reference all those movies in the plot itself there's that vibe and that sort of ambiance throughout the film uh that sort of calls back to those films so yeah i totally agree with you what's yes uh... I... oh go ahead well i also really love the floor show um yes. when they're all frozen <laughs> and then they have the i don't know what it is the zapper unfreezes them <laughs> and they all start singing and dancing and then they all have the big huge pool sequence slash orgy and then they're a wild and untamed thing it's it's just it takes you on such a journey 
that whole floor show sequence. It's one of my absolute favorite pieces in cinema. Um, my yearbook quote was don't dream it, be it Yes, <laughs> from the floor show. So I, I, I always laugh at that now because, you know, it was the early aughts. What do you do? But it was, I, I absolutely love it. That's one of my absolute favorite parts of, of any movie ever is, is the floor show in this, in this movie. Well, it's so visually striking and so well shot. Like, I think that's something I didn't expect. Uh, the first time I saw it is like I you know it's awesome that the director of the play also directed the movie because I think he was able to translate all the imagery from the stage really well onto the screen I mean I think there's times in the movie where you you the blocking and everything you feel like it's a stage production but he does a lot of really cool visual stuff uh too just like you said the lips and this scene I think are probably the most striking that I can think of that, you know, you have to do that in a movie. You can't really do that just in a play. Right. Right. And when Tim Curry jumps off the little diving board down into the um, rescue ring and all of that dry ice and fake smog comes floating up, it's very beautiful. It's very striking. It, it kind of almost has that old school Vaseline lens mm -hmm. to it. And it's very, um, it's almost very romantic, if you can even say that, um, for something like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But it is. It's something yeah. really sweet and genuine and romantic um, in that in that number. And then they come popping up out of the pool. and uh, It's just great. <laughs> well, I'm going to be more basic than you, I think, in my choices. That's all right. <laughs> I really like two big scenes that I like. I love the, the Time Warp song, which I think was originally in the play just to eat up time. Um, but it has become so iconic. I think when people think of this movie, they think of let's do the time warp again specifically, but it's just so fun. Um, I can really imagine, especially that scene, probably when you were a kid, you were like, yeah, this is great. This seems, oh yeah, this makes total sense. They just are singing the song all of a sudden. Um, but I love all the costumes. I love all the people at the party. I love, uh, Brad and Janet looking horrified. I just, I like all of it. <laughs> yeah the, t the time warp was one of those when i was a kid i couldn't wait i was glad it was early in the film because i would be sitting there like almost shaking how excited i was to get <laughs> up and do the time warp because that was the one thing that that they let everybody do it didn't matter you could all get up and do the time warp so i just remember just i couldn't wait until the guy came, the the narrator came on the screen it was like it's just a jump to the left or whatever it is yeah. and then you just, you, oh, you were there. You were in it and you were ready to go. Yeah, it makes you feel so. like you're a part of it um, because the dance is so easy to follow. And I love the way that they did it in the movie with that guy, that like really stiff guy narrating it. It's it's just perfect. <laughs> it just adds another layer to the humor. There's sort of like a fourth wall breaking throughout this film that's really funny. And that's another moment like that. So, yeah, I mean, anytime that comes on, I will dance to it. It's almost as bad as the Cupid Shuffle at a wedding for me. So, you know, if you see me out there on the dance floor dancing to this, uh, you know, you know what's up. But um, love that scene. And then the other one I love is when we meet Eddie, Meatloaf. Um, oh, yeah. Who, uh, he was in the play, too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the original. So in the, in the play play, Eddie and the doctor are the same person. Oh. So Meatloaf was a little bum that he didn't get to play Dr. Everett Scott, 
because um, he's like, oh, I'm I'm way better than that guy because you know he's meatloaf. <laughs> but yeah, meatloaf, meatloaf, and the and the hot patootie, bless my soul. I oh my that gosh, song. that's great. It's all the songs are really clever and they're very they're very good. I mean, the songs are really musically they're excellent. They're really mm-hmm. good and they're bright and they're upbeat and even the even the great ballads are just really poignant and sweet. But that's that hot patootie song that Meatloaf sings. It's 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 tops. It's so good. Yeah, there's not one part of it I don't like. Like I love how he's dressed. I love that the gash in his head. I love the motorcycle. It's really funny to go back and watch something like this and think how much this probably influenced me like as a teenager in my and in my early 20s. Like I remember me and my group being really into like like that style of rock. And we didn't really have any business being into that because it was so much later. But I think it was because of movies like this, you know, that sort of, I don't know, we were we were really into it. And uh, I just look back now and I'm like, oh, it's like we kind of all dressed like that back then. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Because of stuff like this. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I I really enjoy this musical number. Um, I'm so sad every time Eddie dies. Spoiler alert. Um, but I also love his fantastic death scene, so I'm sort of torn. Um, but yeah, all of it's great. Yeah, he's he's very short lived, and it is a shame. <laughs> oh, it's, it is a, it is a shame. But Meatloaf, he steals the movie. He's so great. He's so great. He just comes out, does the song, then gets the axe. Literally, sorry, spoilers. Um, <laughs> but it, it's it's so perfect. It, the timing's perfect. Columbia, Patricia Nell. Or not Patricia Nell, um, Little Nell. She just goes crazy screaming, and and even that adds to that fervor that brings that that the song brings. So it's it, you're right. It's it's a perfect little little moment in this bizarre movie. Yeah, and and didn't they want Elvis to be him or something? You know, I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it was supposed to be modeled after Elvis. Or what it was supposed to be. Um, gosh, wouldn't that be different if it was Elvis? Yeah, because he was still alive Like when they made this. That's just a little nugget I read. But, you know, it's IMDb. It could be true. It could also have been put there <laughs> and not well, be true. But, I mean, he definitely is Elvis, like, reminiscent in the style of singing and stuff. Yeah, he's like he's like if Elvis it's and Johnny Cash mm-hmm. had, oh, had a yes. child and yes. then, like, kicked it in the ass with you know Iggy Pop mm-hmm. it's kind of what it is it's like Elvis meets Johnny Cash meets Iggy Pop and it's meatloaf so yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's really no way to describe it yeah no you're absolutely right I think that's another thing I really love about this movie is just the fact that there's so much like rock in it and the fact that everyone can actually belt it out and I love the reactions in the movie when people do that. Like they're just, <laughs> It's like this sort of, because Brad and Janet are sort of representing, I guess, us, the audience, or maybe just two really uh, conservative, small town people, and just their reaction to rock and roll. Like, whoa, rock and roll is so crazy. It's, you know, outrageous. We can't handle it. And I just, it just, those two things next to each other in the same thing are, are just really fun and very funny. Yeah. Yeah, that that um <laughs> I just you know when after Frankenfurter builds Rocky and he's showing him off and he brings Rocky up to Janet and what do you think of him and 
I don't like men with too many muscles. <laughs> and then the very next song, she's singing the praises of Rocky, you know. I want a muscle man. But yeah, <laughs> get it, girl. I know what you're doing. I see the wheels turning. Yeah. He's breaking you slowly. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think I got my two big ones. Do you have a couple more that you wanted to run over? You know, I, I there's you. just, you know, there's just, there's so, there's so much of it. Having, mm -hmm. you know, watched it so much, there's all these great little nuggets that you pick up. Like the guy that played Rocky himself. Oh my gosh, bless him. He's pitiful as he could be, <laughs> but he's, he's trying. And, you know, I feel, I do feel sorry for him because actually this movie scarred him a little bit. He oh, kind of really? became a recluse and didn't, did, he did not, he did not find the enjoyment out of it like everyone else did. Oh. Um, everybody, everybody else was like, oh yeah, this is, we're making something wacky. We're making something fun. And this guy didn't quite get the wacky memo. And so the poor, the poor guy playing Rocky, you know, his scenes are a little stiff. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a choice he was making being a brand new creature or if it was just him embodying that. And having known that now, when I go back and watch it, that's the one time and the one thing that I'm like, that makes me sad for you. Yeah, so like you think watching... he was like uncomfortable with the concept of it and maybe didn't really want to be in the movie kind of thing. I I don't I don't I don't really I don't really know. Um I cuz he was he was actually just a fashion model. He was not oh. an actual actor. And so they brought him in cuz they just wanted him to be hunky and um he didn't do the singing. Somebody else actually did the singing over for him. I just don't think he knew exactly what movie he was making. <laughs> so I think kind he, of, I, I see what you're saying. So that kind of makes all his scenes play differently. Now you're like, he doesn't know what's happening. <laughs> yes. That's more or less it is, yeah. is, you know, when I was a kid, Oh, he's just stiff. Cause he's a brand new creature. He doesn't know how to move his arms yet. I get it. And now looking at it, there is a whole, like, I think he wandered on set and no one really gave him a bold choice or a bold direction. And, it is different now watching it yeah. for Rocky. I could see that. I mean, the character doesn't really need much nuance since he is surprised and confused. So maybe that was a choice on the director and writer's part not to prepare him. But uh, I, I always saw his, I see his character as like, you know, in the first song they talk about Flash Gordon and that's kind of how he looks, at least from the movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that's kind of what I think of when I see him. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's very interesting. I did not know that. <laughs> Poor guy. I see everyone else seemed to fare well. Yes. Actually, a good chunk of the cast did go on to make more films. I mean, Tim Curry, goodness, Obviously, I can't yeah. think. I could not think of there's a few, but there are very few that are as good of a character actor as Tim Curry is. Totally agree. And I think he's one of the more underrated actors and character actors out there. I mean, the original Pennywise, holy smokes. I mean, mm -hmm. when I was a kid, that was one of the Terrifying. most iconic yeah. spooky things. <laughs> oh my god. Terrifying, but you and love him. Yeah. 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 And he's lent his voice to so many things. 
Um, I had the great privilege of seeing him on Broadway in oh, Spamalot. Awesome. And I will say I lost my ever-loving mind. I mean, he is a god among mere mortals. So, you know, Tim Curry in this role, Susan Sarandon, I mean, Academy, Academy Award-winning actress. Um, Barry Boswick was on 150 seasons of Spin City. I don't know how long it ran, <laughs> but it was on it forever. <laughs> it was you know. on forever. Y- yeah, Meatloaf with, with his illustrious music career and yeah. acting career for that matter. So this movie is chock full of first. I mean, this was Susan Sarandon's first film. I did not realize that. I felt like I was like she was hired because of those eyes because her reactions and her facial expressions are uh, like on point the whole movie. So actually how she got hired was the studio was looking for couples to cast as Brad Mm. and Janet. They wanted that chemistry already there. Well, Barry Boswick and Susan Sarandon were going out at the time, and they really wanted Barry Boswick because he had just gotten off of a Tony nom for playing, I think, uh, one of the guys in Greece. I don't know which one, but they really wanted Barry Boswick because he could sing, he could dance. They they wanted him. And so basically Boswick said, if you want me, you got it. You got to get her. You got to sign up Susan Sarandon. So they really didn't want Susan Sarandon. Uh, but they ended up signing her, and over the course of the filming, they broke up. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. They started filming, and Barry Boswick and Susan Sarandon broke up during the course of, of just this six-week period of making wow. this movie. <laughs> but yeah, that's actually how she even got it, was because of Barry Boswick. Interesting. Well, she definitely holds her own. I mean, well, she's an award-winning actress now. <laughs> right, of, but, of course. Yeah. yeah, I think that, you know, the raw talent that is in this movie has a lot to do with its success, for sure. I mean, I think the uh, the writer and director were uh, made the right choice to stick to their guns with the original cast, and they obviously had an idea of what they needed in this movie, so I, I think it, it really contributes to why it's had the longevity that it has. Yeah, I would I would agree. I'm I'm glad that they didn't go with Mick Jagger. Yeah. I think I think it would have been a caricature and not so much a character. Right. Because um, Frankenfurter already rides that line because he he's does. so over the top. He's so huge. And I mean, so is uh Mick Jagger, don't get me wrong. And I think <laughs> he's I think he's a great showman, but I just don't know if the subtlety that needs to be there that Tim Curry brings to it mm-hmm. would have been there with Mick Jagger. Like the also that um being able to slip in and out of being the overtop Dr. Frankenfurter and then kind of backing off and letting these moments happen. Like the that song that he sings right before um right after the floor show. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Mick Jagger could have pulled that off. Yeah, I mean, there's I just no I other Tim Curry, right? I mean, he's no, just one of no. a kind. And uh, I agree with you with Dr. Frankenfurter. It's a huge, big performance. But at the same time, he feels authentic. Like, it, he feels like a person, like, even though he's playing an alien. <laughs> but it's like he feels real, like like that, like a person you could actually meet instead of just a character. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think he brings that to every performance. I think this is the second movie we've talked about on this podcast because we did Clue. So this is the second time we're talking about Tim Curry. Very different role. Still Tim Curry. <laughs> Very different role. I st- love that film, though. That's a great yes. one, too. Goodness. Gosh, it's so good. Yeah. And so I, I think, yeah, it's it's hard to picture. Again, I feel like 
the cast understood for the most part not rocky but most of the cast understood what they were doing and so it just like i can't imagine someone else being magenta either besides patricia quinn like it's just i don't know she rides that line of like she's doing sort of like a bride of frankenstein-esque thing but not quite just that and so i don't know it's just it's hard to imagine anyone else doing that um except right, these people right. that seem to genuinely be fans of the genres that they're like paying homage to and i guess tim curry is another one he's just he it's funny people asking him like did this make you uncomfortable blah 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 it's like he's he probably thought like i'm an actor like this is what i do like i don't have these things that i'm, I'm nervous to explore you know right and too. as an actor how great is that for someone to say okay look i got this role it's an alien from a planet called Transsexual. There's a song called Sweet Transvestite. You get to wear fishnets, a bustier, and platforms. Are you in? As an actor, your automatic response should be, hell yes. That's yeah. amazing. Like, <laughs> what? I get to sing a song about uh, about another planet and about being different and being but also being totally normal at the same time. Like it's so it's the role is, is a gift. Yeah. It really, it really is. is. The role's a gift. Yeah. And I think anybody in theater or, or film really too, but especially theater would see all these characters and be like, Oh, I want to do that so bad, which is probably why there's so many performances all the time, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's making me want to rewatch this movie right now. But anyway, <laughs> I might <laughs> pop it back in. Um, but yeah, so, man, okay, well, is there anything else that you kind of want to run through? Oh, gosh, um, we haven't really touched the plot, but there's not really much of one. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's these kids wind up at a house, and they're having a party because the doctor, the mad scientist, is creating a man, and he, in fact, create a man, and... Uh, spoilers, they all die in the end, and the whole planet's, the whole building's a spaceship. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense to me. Right? Yeah, totally normal. Yeah, when you watch it, it starts to make sense to you after a while. So, that's my plug. There was a couple people, too, that are like, I've never seen this. And I'm like, you have to. You have to, you know? I guess it's kind of almost a rite of passage. It really is. It's, it's, you know, if it was one of those that it bombed, and it just got swept under the rug and it didn't have the cult classic type following. Well, of course, I think we'd all feel a little different about it. Sure. But because it's still such a little nugget in pop culture, it's almost like you have to. It's, it, even whether or not you like it, you, un- you don't understand it, you love it, whatever. It's still something that you have to see as it's almost like... um gosh it, it the big huge blockbusters like jaws alien yeah. no um, i agree these these iconic films you it's almost like you have to see it just to say yes i've seen the rocky horror picture show right i don't think anything's ever come close to it either i i was trying to think about that like i know they did that movie uh repo the genetic opera which i admit i haven't seen but it nothing has ever really been quite this i mean this like could sort of define the word cult film, right? Or the, the term. I, yeah, you know, it it is a perfect B movie. Yeah. What I think of as B movies, you know, 
Um, that's my. That's actually one of my favorite genres is like the original Fly with Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. Um, I love um, William Castle films, The Tingler and The House on Haunted Hill and House of Wax and these great cheesy, low budget. You can see the strings on the puppet type thing. <laughs> yeah. I love that. There's something about it that's just so fun. And what this movie encapsulates is it gets the fun, it gets the humor, but it also can tell you, it can also show you things that are very sweet. It yeah. also can show you things that are very scary. Um, like when they rip the tablecloth back and Eddie's under the, yeah, the I always glass forget coffin. About that part. <laughs> Holy crap, that's kind of terrifying. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, you know, people, people die in this, in this movie, sometimes in a gruesome way, sometimes not so much, but it's, there's not a lot of people that make it out alive. Like in the end, it's Dr. Scott, Janet and, and Brad really that, that survive it. So there's a lot that happens within the move, within the movie. And, you know, it, it is able to have the fun, have the camp have the things that are over the top, but then also bring you back down to reality and let you have these moments of reconciling your thoughts, your feelings, let you kind of have that catharsis even of what's going on. Like, what have I just watched? It kind of, <laughs> it backs off a little bit it does, to let yeah. you, the audience member, catch up to what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and then it catches you back up again and takes you on the ride. So it's great in that sense that Richard O'Brien knew knew how to formulate it to kind of hit you over the top with all these things and then back you down a little bit and then build you back up and then take you back down. So I don't know a lot of other movies that are good bad like this i agree um, it, it definitely i think that the level of self-awareness it has that kind of fourth wall breaking i was talking about earlier contributes a lot to that yeah it, and it's not trying to make anything more out of itself than than what it is i think the closest films i've seen that holds the holds its own would be the evil dead movies oh that's a really good comparison Especially you know, they're people... campy, mm-hmm. they're over the top, they're silly, but at the same time, they can be scary. They can be they can be downright horrific. They can be bloody. They can be all sorts of things, but you're laughing and scared, and Bruce Campbell, of course, is taking you on the Bruce Campbell Express. You just gotta get <laughs> on and go. Um, but there's, it's, there's something about those films, um, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness, I think that that is something akin to the Rocky Horror Picture Show as far as the feel and the theme of this that kind of genre. I if you can even put it in, in that nugget. No, I agree with you. I think, uh, and we've kind of already, so our last couple of questions here are always, what keeps you coming back? And you know, what's your elevator pitch? I think we've kind of touched on both of those. Like, (laughs) you know, you have to, you just have to. Um, But, but no, I agree. I think that there's a perception around this film. Like every time someone says, I haven't seen that before, I always kind of wonder, you know, are they looking at this movie and thinking, you know, I, I like horror and science fiction and all that, but this is like, not for me. Like this is sort of a niche. Only certain people are really going to like this. And I think if more people saw it that 
feel that way. I think their minds would be like completely changed by the end of the movie because I think if you just care at all about B movies and you care at all about, you know, a lot of the other aspects of the film, like rock and roll and all that stuff, I mean, it's a guaranteed you're going to like this movie pretty much. Um, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it does, even though I can't really tell you the plot, it does tell a, <laughs> okay. it does tell a poignant story. Mm hmm. It, I mean, it is a story of love. It's a story of loss. It's a stuff. It's a story of self-discovery. It's the story of where do we go from here? Like at the end in the UK version, there's this song "Superheroes" that oh. that Doctor Scott, Brad, and Janet sing after the planet or after the castle is beamed up to the planet. Okay. And they're the song basically is saying like, "What do we do now?" Who yeah. are we now? Can we survive this? Can can Brad and Janet still be Brad and Janet? And there's this really kind of great, this beautiful song um, in the UK version. It, it, it's on, if you buy the DVD, you can get it that has the American and the UK version on it. But in the UK version, they have this beautiful song trying to figure out like, what's, what do we do now? And so mm. it's this, it, the story itself may be muddy, but the themes and what you're supposed to react and how you're supposed to feel are definitely strong. They're yeah. definitely prevalent. It's definitely this, this humorous tale of love and loss and redemption and, and, and death and destruction. So yeah. it's kind of got all these different elements thrown into it. Um, that's that you just have to see to synthesize it all together for it to try to make sense. Yeah, and I agree with you too about what you said about like the Evil Dead series. I think that there's a lot of crossover there, probably more than people realize in terms of who would be a fan of this. So I would say if you've kind of been holding back and you're nervous about it, I would I would jump in because I think you're gonna really enjoy it. I haven't really ever met someone that said they watched it and they didn't like it. Have you? I, I've I've met like two people who <laughs> have watched it and they were like I didn't I don't think I got it but they were also they had just watched it like that year so it uh, wasn't they hadn't had time to process it yeah and if you don't it's almost like mm, I don't know how to put this it's almost like you need to see it at a midnight matinee like no, if you I can't agree. yeah if you can't see it in theaters like in the original 1975 your next best bet is to go to the midnight premiere and see it because that's really what it's all about now is going and having the interaction, watching this movie with everyone else there. Cause there's a feeling you get when you're there with everybody that you don't quite have, <clears throat> excuse me, when you're watching it on the DVD, even though it's still fun, it's still great. I still love it. But that's what I try to tell people when they say, oh, I haven't watched it before. It's like, you need to find a midnight premiere and you need to go and you need to take a buddy who's willing to go on a wild ride. Like, go see it semi-live. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think I've, I've had Christopher R. Mim on here a few times and he that's what he does for a living is shoot low-budget B-movies. And he always talks about how You've really got to see movies with an audience because there's just a different energy when you're in a big group and everyone's sharing that same experience together. And I think that's so true. And it's even more true for something like this. Um, it, there's just an energy there. 
there's just a togetherness that you just don't have if you watch the movie for the first time alone at home. Um, get yourself to a theater. It's probably showing this weekend somewhere um, and go see it because, yeah, the, uh, otherwise you're kind of missing out. So I would say if you've seen it before and you're like, I don't really get it, I would give it one more shot and see it live. Um, and if you're thinking about seeing it, go ahead and see it live the first time. Um, yeah. I, you know, and I think I think that's why I liked it so much is because I saw the play first. Yeah. Well, speaking of the play, I have to give a shout out. Um, the University of Texas at Dallas, they're actually performing it this upcoming weekend. Nice. It's, it's going to be October 31st through November 2nd and November 7th through the 9th. Okay. All of the times are at 8 o'clock. So they're doing, Ooh, it's not the time. movie, it's they're doing the actual live musical, the original musical. So nice. um, I, I'm friends with one of the directors out there. And they're getting ready to open, and I've seen a lot of their pictures and things, and it's looking great. And I'm going to go out there, of course, and watch it because I'm. It's the the movie itself is so theatrical because it was a musical first. Yeah, it's one of those that if you like the movie, you really need to see the stage show as well. Mm -hmm. It's kind of one of those they go hand in hand. The the of course they changed a few things for the movies, but it's one of those that the stage play. I think might be even bigger and over the top and more debauched and it's great and it's fun. So I'm going to try to get out and see the actual stage show. I'm going to see if I can find a midnight premiere somewhere out there. There's bound to be one at the Angelica <laughs> or Magnolia, yeah. the somewheres that that'll be doing it. So I'm going to have to make sure I go out, you know, like I said, I watch it every Halloween. Nice. So that maybe is what I do is go to a, go to a midnight matinee on, on Halloween night. Well, if you find something, let me know, uh, because that might be what gets me out of the house <laughs> to actually go on a midnight showing. Uh, but yeah, I, I would, I've been thinking about it since we watched it, uh, and I, I really want to go see it live again. Um, well, Samantha, thank you so much uh, for coming back and for picking this movie. This was, this was a blast. Oh, thank you so much. I enjoyed it immensely. And it's great to be back. Yeah, it was awesome getting all your uh, all your personal stories about growing up with it and all that. And like I said, if you find some of those pictures, I want to see them because that is adorable. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, and, and be thinking about the next movie you want to talk about. I feel like it's going to be, is it, what is it, Transylvania? Six, six five thousand. Okay. So, again, <laughs> I love a good I love a good B film. I love a good cheesy horror film. Transylvania 6-5000, it's a 1980s movie that kind of got swept over. It's got Jeff Goldblum, Egg Beagley Jr. It's ridiculous. Um, they go to Transylvania to look for um, Frankenstein's monster because, you know, he's in Transylvania because that makes sense. But that's where they go and hilarity ensues and it's ridiculous. So yes. <laughs> it's you know, I hate to say it's even kind of in the same vein as the Rocky Horror Picture Show because mm -hmm. it, it's not. It's okay. But it still <laughs> has that camp factor yeah. that a good B-movie needs. Uh, well, I look forward to that conversation. That sounds like it's going to be very fun. Um, and maybe you'll bring Sarah on there for that, too, because she seemed very enthusiastic about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to. We'll definitely make it make it um, uh, a double a double podcast with Sarah and I to, to make it, to make it through. There you go. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming back and, uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds great. Bye guys. Bye.